3: In, buckle up, giddy up, however you want to call it, the NFC and AFC Championship games presented by Intuit TurboTax are set for this Sunday. The Eagles welcome the 49ers to Philadelphia. That game is at 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox, and then it's an AFC Championship rematch. Bengals, Chiefs, Arrowhead Stadium, 6:30 Sunday on CBS. Welcome inside. Good morning, football, presented by Trapper Beef Jerky live in New York City. It's Thursday, January 26th. I'm Jamie Ardal. it's Kyle Grant, Peter Schrager, and Jason McCordy. It's our third hour on a Thursday, which means we are gonna do throwdown Thursday. Awesome. In a beat. But first let's get to Tom Palacero in the lead block.
4: Lead block. Lead block! Lead
3: block. All right, Tom, set the stage for us, please, as the Niners face the Eagles in Sunday's early game. What can you tell us about their running backs?
5: Jamie Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell did not practice on Wednesday. McCaffrey dealing with that calf contusion that he was trying to work out during the game last weekend. Mitchell has a groin injury. Debo Samuel, by the way, also not on the practice field on Wednesday. He's continuing to manage that ankle, but coach Kyle Shanahan has not sounded any alarms. He expects all those guys to play in Sunday's NFC Championship game against the Eagles. Meanwhile, for the Chiefs, their quarterback Patrick Mahomes was not only on the field Wednesday, Day. He was listed as a full participant just four days after suffering that high ankle sprain against the Jaguars. Mahomes said he hasn't gone home much at all except to sleep. He's been getting a whole lot of treatment. Mahomes said the important thing for him this week is to push it in practice. Not run the risk of aggravation, but really test it out. See exactly how well he is able to move. Does not though, seem like there's any question about his availability. Mahomes will play against the Bengals. Jamie?
3: All right, good to know. Tom Palacero, thank you so much for setting the stage for Throwdown Thursday. Uh, Let's roll. AFC Championship first, which showcases two of the league's best big-time pass catchers. So, Throwdown Thursday on this topic. Bigger impact, Jamar Chase or Travis Kelsey?
4: Travis Kelsey has not had a ton of success against this Bengals defense. Luana Rumo has put the clamps on Travis Kelsey the three times they have played. But this might be a different version of Travis Kelsey. Can I see Travis Kelsey's season? I think yesterday on the show, we did the Offensive Player of the Year finalists. And I I love what Justin Jefferson and Jalen Hurts are. They're all worthy. But Kelsey had a career year. He was third in the league in catches, eighth in receiving yards, and he was second touchdowns. Oh, and last week he had 14 receptions. I think Kelsey is going to have to play a huge role. Bigger impact? They're both huge players. They're superstars. But bigger impact for this Chiefs offense that has been just flummoxed by the Lou Anarumo defense, especially in second halves, this, this last three matchups. Kelsey has been silenced. That can't happen anymore. There has to be a deliberate... Yeah and an intentional plan to get Kelsey the rock. I think Travis Kelsey goes nuts again, and I think he plays an even bigger role than he did even this season, even last week against the Jaguars.
6: Yeah, I'm sure he'll be fired up too. He had that fumble in that first game that had a Mm. huge impact on that game both superstars. I'm going with Jamar Chase, who's going to have the bigger impact. You said it about that Bengals defense. They're going to be keyed in on Travis Kelsey. There's going to be double teams. There's going to be guys hitting him at the line of scrimmage. I think for Jamar Chase, he'll have some more open opportunities in one-on-one coverage. T. Higgins on the other side. Hayden Hurst has had a good run uh, throughout the latter part of this season. I think that will open up things for Jamar Chase and allow him to get loose in that Kansas City Chiefs secondary. So I'm going with Jamar Chase on this one. For me, the the answer to every question is kelsey. Kelsey,
1: kelsey
6: i don't care if it's jamar
2: chase and michael jordan muhammad ali it's always kelsey i have no doubt that the jacksonville defensive staff defensive players spent the entire week saying kelsey 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 and then he had 14 catches before he got off the bus like he just he does what he wants which is what's interesting with peter bringing up about him not going prolifically against the Bengals. either they solved him or kelsey's due um He's just that player you're like, we're not going to let him beat us. And then he beats you. I also think, you know... Kelsey, this is this is a legacy thing for him, too. I don't know how many more of these he's going to get. I don't know what the future is. But it's not just Mahomes who loses another title game to the Bengals, who loses the Bengals again. It's it's his cohort, too. Mm. And I think Kelsey needs it. We have the idea of a maybe all-Kelsey Super Bowl on the horizon, which I'm sure he wants. But the answer to every question, I don't care what the rest of the questions of the segment, I'm just going to say Travis Kelsey, and I'm going to be right. Watch.
3: Yeah, protect Donna Kelsey at all costs yeah. when it comes to potentially having to mm. just be at a single Super Bowl for her boys. All right, now on to the NFC Championship, showcasing a young Brock Purdy. First trip to South Philadelphia. Who will rack up more yardage at the length? back for the air? Or just the Eagles as a team on the ground? Yeah. Peter?
4: Eagles put up 280 last week against mm-hmm. the Giants. Come on now. I think the Eagles game plan is establish it on the ground, establish it on the ground, and then hit that long deep shot to Jalen Hurts. I don't think we appreciate Jalen Hurts' deep throwing ability. This guy's uh-huh. throwing beautiful dimes. But I think if the Eagles and Niners is going to go how it's going to be, it's not going to be about any quarterbacks throwing for a ton of yards. I think this one is going to be one in the trenches, and I'm going to go with Eagles rushing yards more than Brock Purdy's throwing yards, even if that's like 140. I don't think we want to see Purdy throwing the ball over the yard on Sunday. I certainly don't think Kyle Shanahan's game plan is Purdy go nuts and let's just get into a shotgun and you throw the ball all around the place. The, the game plan for the Eagles is let's run the ball down their throats. Even if they have this great run defense, we got to be us. I'm going to say Eagles running game, and I haven't picked a winner in this one, but I I will tell you this, I don't think there's a ton of points in this game.
6: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that, and I agree with you. This game is going to be one in the trenches. Both teams want to run the ball and establish that. But I just I can't discredit the San Francisco 49ers defense to think that they're mm. going to go out there to the Eagles and just run the ball down to throw. I think I think San Francisco's giving up less than 80 yards a game on the ground, and I think the Eagles are going to do a little bit more than that. But Brock Purdy can go out there and he can throw for 200 yards, and that's a very modest day. I don't think that the Eagles are going to go and run for 200 yards. On this forty-nine. How about one thirty? Does that sound doable? One forty? I think I think Purdy throws for more than one hundred forty mm. yards. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's very pedestrian.
2: You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. I think Travis Kelsey outgains them all. Yeah. It's just it's Kelsey. <laughs> uh, you know I've been around the sun a few times, and Peter, I'm going to go off with what you're saying. Sometimes it just goes crazy. You don't. It's not how you expect it to yeah. go. It's just not. And everyone, everything you're saying is completely prudent and makes sense. And of course, it should be sixteen to ten. It could be thirty-one to twenty-seven. It could be forty-eight to forty-five. For that note, I'm going to go with Purdy passing. Um, As much as the Eagles are great at rushing, I can't see them going two hundred plus on this defense. Right? I love them. I actually think there's going to be a high-scoring game. I do. Mm -hmm. I just. I have a feeling like. I didn't think the Bills would have scored score 10 points last week. Did anybody? Yeah. They yeah. did. It, the, the playoff game zag, and I think this is going to be a higher scoring than we think.
3: Yeah, to your point, like, what are we going to see from Purdy if the Eagles go up 14-0? That could just be on the first three drives of yeah. the game. And then like, where does it, it go from there? Exactly. You're right. All right, Kyle, you're up. Okay. From the gridiron to the silver screen. San Francisco and Philadelphia, two cities that have been the backdrop for a lot of great films. A lot to pick from. This is Fire, oh. Bullet, Best in Show, Trading Places. The titles are limitless, but we have chosen two for this ultimate contest. Is it The Rock or Rocky mm. that you just can never get enough of, Peter? Mm.
4: I'm going to say if you were to ask me you're sitting on your couch on a rainy Sunday in late February after the Super Bowl and you're just clicking around and you've got some terrible college basketball game on mm-hmm. and there's some awful pickleball tournament going on and then you find one of those sweet spot networks whether mm, it be TNT, mm. TBS, AMC, AMC, AMC. Mm-hmm.
3: USA.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: The Rock is entirely watchable. The Rocky is an investment, and there are some mm. dark mo. Rocky is a dark film. Now, if you said Rocky 4, we're talking a different conversation. If you said Rocky 3, we're talking. A- Rocky might have won the Academy Award, but it is not a let's watch Rocky all over again and over again and over again. It's dark when Adrian's in that pet shop. Like, it, it is not a fun scene. Paulie's dark, too. Yeah, Polly's really dark. Polly goes really, really, really dark, dark places. I like The Rock. Yeah. The Rock is fun. Come you've on. got Connery. You've got Cage. You've got Alcatraz. I'm going to go with The Rock as more watchable. Rocky is probably the better film as a
6: whole. Yeah, I'm right along with you. I think The Rock, you talk about just the premise of it all. Right? Connery's locked up. He shouldn't be locked up just because he has this dirty secret. And now we're figuring out we're hiring him now to come help us. Infiltrate Alcatraz and the whole nine of it. So for me, watching that movie is just so much fun, back and forth. You're trying to figure out what's coming next. This Rocky's an unbelievable film. There's so many of them, and just I'm a younger guy, so it's like you know all the movies, but it's like dang, which one was mm-hmm. four? Which one was three? Oh, that was the original one. So for me, I'm going to rock. A couple
2: hundred years ago, guys down. named Washington, Jefferson, and Adams were branded as traitors by the British. And now they're known as Patriots. In time, so shall we. Uh, That's The Rock. That's General Francis Xavier Hummel on the Alcatraz Island. Listen, Rocky, I respect it. I respect everything it represents. The Philadelphia and the statue and the underdog and never giving up. Tough watch. It's a tough watch. Turn that on right now. It's boring as hell. None of that Eye of the Tiger stuff. That's two movies later. He runs around and it's great. And I know what it represents. It is tough. And Adrian doesn't want any part of Rocky whatsoever. Won't even look at him. (laughs) All of a sudden, he gets to fight with the Apollo, and she's cuddling up with them on the couch. We know where her mind was. That's always bothered me. The, the series really takes off at three. It hits the apex at four. The Rock is an incredible... I think the movie The Rock is better than the entertainer The Rock. I really do. I find it more entertaining there. Um... Tony Todd, who's Candyman, yeah. is like the 15th lead oh, in that ensemble in of a movie. Like He's an afterthought, and he's great in it. Uh, the Rock is a fantastic, rewatchable, full-on 90s movie. Rocky was great in 1976, I think, when it yep. came out. But right now, it's very slow, very tedious. The, it's, I'm not into it.
4: In the course of Nicolas Cage's career, yeah. is thats that... Is that
2: that like the hot zone where like he could not miss. I like, think I think that's it. Cuz he won the months? Oscar and then decided to start doing action movies. Yeah. And that's this is 90s Face Off and this is post leaving Las that's Vegas and this is the face-off. big deal and Connery was massive and it, it was yeah, just Conair, you had Face Off yeah. and then you had the Rock. And this is after winning an Academy Award yeah. for an artsy movie about being an alcoholic. Like it's he just decided I'm just going to go the action route. I'm going to start driving Lamborghinis and it worked. I'm going to go with that and, like in a runaway. <laughs>
7: oh.
2: You talk about football year-round for three hours. you end up making a lot of comparisons. You know, try to come up with creative ways to talk about these guys and these players, from, I don't know, Derek Carr being the Jake Gyllenhaal of quarterbacks. I'm still taking heat for that, To The Cowboys being the Long Island iced tea. There's just so many fancy ingredients, and it seems fun, but in the end you just kind of throw up in a gutter. Uh, we've decided to dedicate an entire segment to that art. With the GMFB analogy. Here we go. Beautiful. Now, the English major in me says if we use the words like or as, that is a simile. And then there's a metaphor, but take it anywhere you want. We're not going to split hairs. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you each a statement, guys, around the table. Like a topic, something going on in the games this weekend. And I'm going to ask you to compare that topic... NFL related to something, anything of your choosing. This makes me think of this album or this candy or this anything. You can use a whiteboard, you can not. Analogy, simile, metaphor, whatever you want to call it. Peter, yeah. let's start with you. Your topic, my friend. Okay. Do you- Brock Purdy's 2022 season
4: yeah. is like... Okay, so I'm thinking of this. This is like right up your alley now. And I'm trying to think of the analogy for Brock Purdy showing up out of nowhere looking at everyone who overlooked him in the eyes mm-hmm. and then crushing it. Brock Purdy is that Shark Tank contestant who everybody said mm. no to mm. and then hit it big anyway. Mm. Brock Purdy is the guy who presented his case good morning, to sharks. all the Shanks. Good morning, good, all the Sharks. Good morning, Sharks. Uh, I, I I really think this is a good, thing. and they all just sit there smugly in their chairs, and they pick him apart and say, right. "I don't understand the marketing plan. I don't understand the financing." I, it's Mr. Wonderful. I, I actually, yeah. Oh, Lori, I think yeah. all of them, Barbara Corcoran, all of them are just like, <laughs> just not. It's just right. not for me. And he says, "Okay, there's no takers. All right, all of you are going to say no to me." Then I'm just going to go out and do this thing on my That's own. Right. 32 teams passed on Brock Purdy mm-hmm. in the first round. 32 teams passed on Brock Purdy for the first six rounds. <laughs> one team. One team. You know Brock Purdy is making the least amount of money of any player drafted in the 2022 <laughs> NFL draft. <Yep>. Brock Purdy <laughs> sat amazing. there, and every one of these sharks, these geniuses. Oh, uh, je- Belichick's a genius. He didn't take Purdy. He had the opportunity to. McVay's a genius. Purdy went right by McVeigh's <laughs> eyes. All of these genius sharks just let Purdy walk right back out that door in that long walk down the hallway, and then the credits roll, and he's like, you know, well, I really enjoyed the experience, and I still thank the sharks for the opportunity. No, Purdy went out there, and he's crushing it. All you sharks. You know what's up.
8: Wow.
3: There was a guy who came up with the Ring doorbell camera okay. who was denied his business years ago, and then he recently came back and sure. was a shark because it became it. Ring. There we
2: go. Are you saying that Brock Purdy is the squatty potty of... Yes! <laughs> right? Look, complete elimination. That's what they're selling. <laughs> That's it. Um Pete, that was really good. <laughs> yeah, I love really it. Really good. And then at the end, the sharks will be like, how about I'll give you five bucks for 99% of your of company? Course. And they try to make of suckers just, I'm gonna- go- no, yeah. just walk. I'm walk. Just walk. That's it. Jason McCourty. Yeah, All right, your to topic me. is... The Eagles' offense is like...
6: The Eagles' offense. Well, if we're going to talk about the Eagles' offense, let's go back to an origin story. And let's hear what Sirianni last year had to say about the Eagles' offense and his football team. And if you can be in this trajectory, or if you will, let your roots grow, your flower roots grow, right... All right, All right, but if you can be in that trajectory where you're doing this a little bit more each day and you can truly live by that and just know that I'm not thinking about, right, I'm not thinking when the outside world might be thinking about playoffs, I'm thinking about how I'm going to get better today to get better tomorrow, to get better the next day, to get the next, the next day, so we can go 1-0 and this week. The Eagles' offense is like bamboo, the fastest-growing plant in the world. This thing grows to full length in less than a year, and that's the Eagles' offense. Right. Full strength, less than a year. You go back to last year, it was, oh, can Jalen Hurst throw the ball, this, that, and the third. Add a few ingredients. We water our plant throughout the offseason. We add in A.J. Brown, <laughs> and now, next thing you know, you have the Eagles' offense, and a- perfect thing and a great thing about bamboo it can turn itself into a forest (laughs) much like the Eagles offense there's weapons all over the place I mentioned A.J. Brown but on the other side Devontae Smith in the backfield you have Sanders you have Gainwell and then oh yeah there's Dallas Goddard at tight end as well this Eagles offense fastest growing figuring out a way to get it done one of the best in the NFL this year Sirianni, you manifested it. bamboo It's
2: incredible. You know, Phil Jackson used to talk about bamboo a lot. I'm not kidding about how strong it is and how fast it grows Mm. in those Lakers years. Bamboo was like a metaphor of his. So Zen master, Jason Cordy. I love that. All right, we got Shark Tanks. We got bamboo. This is a hell of a (laughs) segment, guys. Jamie, let's go to you. Your topic is this year's MVP race is like?
6: (laughs) Friends episode? You know
3: those food, food. You know those really expensive, really lush, really decadent Las Vegas buffets? Oh, yeah.
1: Mm. The Let's one go. that
3: costs you like $100 just to get in the door? <laughs> yep. The one that people wait hours in line for? Mm-hmm. This is what we're looking at here, you guys. My question is, do you get charged per plate the <laughs> amount of times you go up? Because if you're looking at Josh Allen, he's like when you go to the prime rib cutting station, mm-hmm. all right? You're like, how I want, I need this much of my sliced plate. Like, I need it on its own plate, all right? Joe Burrow, the orange creamsicle moose cones as a part of the dessert cart, okay? (laughs) Patrick Mahomes, the lobster tail. Oh, delicious lobster tail. So good. (laughs) Kind of leads the league also. It's kind of why you pay to get in Uh is for the Patrick Mahomes lobster tail. Sea salted crusted quail.
2: Oh, yeah. Jalen Hurts.
3: Jalen Hurts. Stone crab legs, Justin Jefferson. That's beautiful. Right?
2: And you know what's perfect about that? Do you get
3: charged per plate? Because I want more of it. I want all of it. I want to watch these guys play. I want to eat all the great foods. And I don't care if it costs me a hundred dollars to just get in the door. This is why you go to Las Vegas for the buffet. For the buffet.
2: That's the real star of the Pro Bowl games presented by Verizon. It's the uh, <laughs> presented by it's, it's the, the, the buffet. You know what they do is they put what they, they in the front like the first stage is like fruit and salad and mm-hmm. stuff fillers they bury the expensive stuff at the end yes so it's kind of like they save the best for the end of the season I'm continuing your metaphor here for Hertz or the Mahomes sea
3: salted crusted That's shrimp quail is, is at the back. The buried quail? Mm. buried How
4: are we due for a Fogo to Chow trip soon
2: it's that time of year <laughs> Last year's Super Bowl week, I went to Fogo de Chow by myself at 11.30 in the morning and ate steak and got hammered. It was amazing. Fogo, love you.
0: Great.
2: All right, I got to finish it up now. Uh, Jamie, what do we got?
3: Yeah, your uh, tee-up is, so again, we have uh, Bamboo, we have the Shark Tank, tank, and we have Las Vegas Buffet. Um, A Bengals Super Bowl win this season would be like... Mm -hmm.
2: When I was a sophomore in college, I went to one of my friend's rooms and he's like, have you seen this video that everybody's talking about? And I go, no, all right. Pulls up his Netscape Navigator and we go, and he shows me the video, it's a music video for a young entertainer and the song was Hit Me Baby One More Time. And I saw Britney and, and like my mind exploded. I'm like, this is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. This is the pop star for the next 50 years. Like I, this, this girl is incredible and she's, she's dancing and she's got this school going uniform. That, that's the Chiefs. I've never seen anything like it. Couldn't believe what I was watching. This is an amazing thing. My home's like, we're gonna do this for the next 20 years. Funny thing happened (laughs) about a year later. I saw another music video. And it was this young lady talking about a genie in a bottle. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, all right, Christina. Um, And it turns out Christina was um, a little naughtier you know, a little spicier, maybe more talented, and thereby became this sort of feud where Christina's like, no, 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 I'm the pop princess, I'm going in, I'm taking over, I'm winning the Moon Man VMAs, I'm in an Eminem song about Carson Daly and Fred Durst, not flattering lyric, but I'm big. And it was like, all right, did Britney, can Britney withstand this surge from Christina slash X-Dina? Or is Christina taking over? Or is Britney saying, no, 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 no. I'm still the one. I got the Pepsi commercials. I'm making the Austin Powers cameo. I'm the GOAT. Never really shook out. We don't really know. I can't declare a winner in that because Christina went different ways and Britney went different ways. Britney went some dark ways and all that. So I look at the Bengals like Christina and I look at the Chiefs like Brit and we will see who decides to sit on the throne. That's how you do it.
3: I love it, Kyle. That's it. it. just depends on what your order of importance is for yeah. your pop princess, mm-hmm. I think. Is it the vocal range? Is it the danceability? Is yeah. it the, cre- you know, it just depends on what your preference is. That's
2: true. I, I don't really care about the vocal range so much in my pop princess. It's more about the, the visuals, um, but they certainly had a lot of Talk that. about it. I mean, the dirty video from Christina, I can't mm-hmm. believe that was on television. Toxic,
4: toxic was something, Toxic too. was a jam. I'm telling you, that's right. they, Brittany had a second
2: act there. She I fought think, back. I think, I think, I think, Brittany could be the Chiefs this week. Okay, we'll find out. That's what I'm saying. This <laughs> yeah. is kind of a cliffhanger. Right. I think Dirty walks with Toxic could run. I, I really
0: do. I think what? that was dirty. a right.
5: proportional response.
2: Really
0: I think that was a proportional response. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
8: Off a action, they find Kelsey inside the five and lunges into the end zone, trots in,
6: touchdown, Kansas City. Short drop by Burrow, the pressure comes from the left, he throws over the middle, caught at the nine, chase straight ahead into the end zone, touchdown. It throws wide open back to the end zone, touchdown, Kansas City. Now throws to the end zone, it is caught
8: by Hayden Hurst, touchdown.
4: Our next guest is a Super Bowl ring with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's also an all-pro player, and he played nine seasons in the league. Let's welcome back to the show, friend of the program, former NFL offensive lineman Mitchell Schwartz.
10: Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. It was great
4: to have you, man. Uh, so I made the case the other day that Joe Burrow over Patrick Mahomes is an argument you can make in the AFC if Burrow wins four straight over Mahomes. You came on Twitter and you responded with this tweet that I got lit up in. Here, let's see it here. How five seasons, two MVPs, five home AFC Championship games, Super Bowl win, MVP, another Super Bowl appearance. It's more than two or four head-to-head games if you're talking like that. As I mentioned, I think Burrow is the clear number two at this point, but this kind of talk is way too premature. Listen, Mitchell... There is no bigger Mahomes fan in media than me, and you know that. But we also know it's a team game, and maybe I got a little ahead of myself saying 4-0 would mean Burrow over Mahomes. Let's get into that a little bit. Would that not be something if the Bengals were to get a 4-0 edge when you're talking about the top AFC quarterback considering these guys have gone head-to-head twice the last two seasons?
10: No, I think that absolutely would be something. And whenever we talked about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you always gave it to Brady because he seemed to beat those Indianapolis teams, especially in the playoffs. I think the the argument is more than just these two years. Um, you know, I, I responded after uh, you know you you took a bit of a beating there on Twitter. That I, I see the argument. I understand. Like if you're just looking at their career kind of up to this point or the last two years in, in particular then you're saying all right postseason success you got a guy who gets to the super bowl twice you got a guy who loses in the afc championship game twice you know over three years of both of their careers if since he wins you know mahomes would have an mvp and a super bowl win burrow would have two super bowl appearances and then you know theoretically he might have a super bowl win if they beat the chiefs and then go on to win this year so you could stack them up in that way and have that argument i just thought. In total, you know, over the last five years, I think you have to look at all the data and all the data as Mahomes is in five home AFC championship games. He's got, you know, one MVP and soon to win a second. And I just think, you know, the totality of what he's done over the five years gives him the edge over just, you know, kind of this two-year sample and what would be, you know, a a 4-0 deficit in the head-to-head matchup just
2: a great argument, isn't it? It isn't it it's It's just like sports fan stuff everybody's right nobody's wrong but what's fun is now they get to play each other this weekend and the newsy part of this is that patrick's banged up and that he's got an ankle injury we can follow the news and we can try to get all the nuggets we can from our reporters but you know the guy you know how competitive he is how do you think he plays through this how do you think this impacts him like give us your take on on mahomes being banged up in this game
10: Well, it's definitely going to affect him. You know, I I think yesterday... They put out, you know, kind of the the practice film of him stretching and moving around, and it honestly looks better than I expected. There's also the clip of him walking off the stage after talking to the media. Again, looks better than expected. What you didn't see is any lateral movement. You didn't see any, you know, planting and pushing off that back foot and, and driving. And I think that's the worrisome part: is can he get the same zip and velocity on the downfield passes? And to a secondary level, you know, we've seen him run around the line of scrimmage. You know, in my mind. There's pictures of, you know, Trey Hendrickson, and Sam Hubbard on, on their knees gasping for air um, because Pat just needs to find someone open. You know, Cincinnati's awesome at the drop eight coverage. No one's open. Pat runs around. He finds somebody. Of course, that hasn't worked in the previous matchups. <laughs> Chiefs are still uh, 0-3 against him. So if you're able to limit that mobility and if he's not able to drive the ball downfield, either uh, those 40, 50-yard passes or the accuracy on the intermediate game, I think it does change it because you've got two equal teams and now... Th- you know, wounding the one quarterback is a huge deciding factor in how this plays out. So I I am going to be interested in seeing it. I mean, it's got to affect him in some way. There's no way. I mean, I've had a few high ankle sprains. You you feel it. It's affected. Um, You know, luckily for me, I'm big and fat and I don't move very far where Pat has to be a little bit more, more mobile and avoid guys who are, you know, bigger and stronger and faster. So uh, the first quarter is going to be really interesting to see what, since he does schematically to force the issue and to how pat responds how he moves and what kind of velocity he has in the ball
6: yeah i'm right with you that's what i'm looking forward to seeing how lou on how he approaches the game once he sees what his ankle looks like and let's flip it to the other side the Bengals uh, were without some offensive line starters this past sunday but still found a way to protect burrow and get that win in buffalo but now they have the chance of going against Chris Jones who's as dominant as any defensive lineman up front how do you think the Bengals handle him and Dunlap and all of those guys in their pass rush
10: it's gonna be tough and when Alex Kappa the right guard for since he first got hurt my mind went to this game and this matchup because you know you can kind of get over one guard getting hurt now unfortunately they've had both their tackles get hurt on top of that but they weren't really going to see a game wrecker like Chris until this specific matchup. And so that's where it's really worrisome because as, as good as those guys played last week, I mean, Buffalo doesn't have the same type of player that, that Chris Jones is. He typically aligns over that right guard as well in passing situations. And so you're either playing a backup or you're playing a guy who's just coming back from injury and probably isn't 100%. And then, you know, the Chiefs defensive ends have come on towards the end of the year. You know, not necessarily the strength uh, of the defense, although, like I said, playing a lot better, but against two guys who are Uh, not quite starters, you know, maybe that gives the Chiefs the edge and now it becomes more than just Chris having to create all the pressure, more than just Spags having to dial up blitzes, which we've seen in the past doesn't necessarily work against Cincinnati and what they can do on the outside. So I think it it gives the Chiefs a a matchup advantage uh, to go into this game with that kind of defensive line uh, and with Chris specifically against, you know, potentially a backup guy.
3: Mitchell, let's go to the other matchup on Sunday. We have got two premium top-of-the-line Offensive linemen taking the field in Philadelphia. The Eagles, Lane Johnson, and the Niners, Trent Williams. It's a great matchup going against those opposing D-lines. Take us inside the trenches. What do you think this battle is going to be like?
10: This is honestly my probably favorite matchup of the year. I was looking forward to it like two months ago, seeing this on the schedule and it potentially uh, going this way. This Eagles offensive line, which I think has been the best O line in football all this year. And, you know, they've got great players individually, but they're also asked to do as much or more than any other offensive line. You know, they run a true drop back passing game. They got to hold up in pass protection. They pull in every direction, all the linemen. Uh, The run game is diverse. They got to know more schemes than just, you know, inside zone, outside zone and gap. Um, So it's really strength on strength because the San Francisco defense has been in the best of the NFL. And how are they the best? Because they get pressure up front. They're able to, you know, force the the issue for the quarterback really quick. And so this matchup is going to be kind of what dreams are made of for me as an offensive line guy, liking to see that. Uh, And then Trent on the other side with Sam Fran, I mean, he is the epitome of what dominance looks like as a left tackle. You know, last week he went up against Parsons. Um, You know, those matchups were very favorable to Trent. And the cool thing with that is, it almost seems like he doesn't get challenged very often because he's just so good. And last week you saw him kind of like up his game a little bit and kind of the energy and the passion to, you know, kind of prove who he was on the one on one stage against Parsons. Um, but this the O line against the San Fran D line, I think that's the key matchup in the game. And if Philly's able to block as well as they have all year, I mean, I see them scoring a lot of points.
4: It's beautiful. Uh, we said it so many times this week. This thing is going to come down to who wins in the trenches. Yep. You won in the trenches plenty of times. Real quick, Mitchell, give us a prediction for Sunday's game.
10: Ooh. Ooh. Well, I mean, you can see by the, the people behind me on the, the screen there. I think I got to go with the Chiefs. It does seem like. Logically, when you're looking at the matchup, I mean things favor Cincy. Um, even though we talked about the offensive lineman being out just in in the sense of them having the Chiefs number over the last meetings and then Pat being a little bit injured. But this is kind of his, you know, Jordan game to go out there injured in a huge situation, um, you know, get the monkey off the back in terms of, you know, the Cincinnati matchup. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. And then I think it's just, it's been trending in the Eagles all year. And I think it's going to continue that way. You know, the offensive line being the strength, being able to negate what San Fran does best. And I think defensively, you know, their strength is the passing game. And as much as we talk about Shanahan and the run game, uh, that offense really goes with the San Fran passing game. And I think it's, you know, kind of strength versus uh, strength. And I think
0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with
9: Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in the bathroom in my house.
3: hey we're back on good morning football our next guest just finished his 12th season in the nfl he's a two-time pro bowler and a three-time walter payton man of the year nominee which is a fantastic statistic please welcome a very good friend of our show kyle rudolph what up kyle what up dude
7: guys thanks for having me
3: Absolutely, Kyle. we got to start with what I just said was the most important part of that title, which is the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, the sweepstakes, and their partnership with Nationwide. Please tell us about the upcoming fundraising event and how everything came together for the nominees this year.
7: Yeah, as a three-time nominee myself, uh, this is an award that I'm very familiar with and very passionate about. Uh, You know, I truly believe that all 32 of these men Our winners. You know, just to be nominated as the sole individual to represent your team is an incredible honor. And, you know, unfortunately, we can only have one winner of the award. Sometimes there's two, most times just one. But for me, as someone who lost the award three times, uh, it's been very important to really recognize, elevate, and, and help these nominees raise more money for their charities.
2: It is incredible work that you do, and we can vouch for that, that you and Jordan show up every single year. You do the red carpet. You're complete, uh, perfect ladies and gentlemen. Then you show up and you clap when the other person wins. You are uh, a winner for us, Kyle, and you know that you always have been. Twelfth NFL season this this past year. We're only in year seven as a show, but I feel like you've been coming on for 30 years. You're like a (laughs) friend of ours. And you know what? For the rest of your life... All this great football that you've played, you're going to be asked about the one season you played with Tom Brady and through your 50th career touchdown pass. Your kids are going to ask about Brady, your kids' kids. What was the Brady experience like? We'll just ask yourself. it Was it different than you expected when you showed up or was it like pretty much Tom as Tom?
7: No, it was awesome for me. It was an unbelievable learning experience. Uh, even in year 12. 12- Uh, You never stop learning and to be able to be around someone like that and get to see him go to work every day, get to see the way he prepares. uh, It certainly made me a better football player uh, and and I learned a lot from him. And, you know, one of the things as I tie this award back in and and these guys, uh, you know, Tom has the greatest legacy of anyone that's ever played this game. Uh, And for me, this Walter Payton Man of the Year Award initiative that, nationwide has so kindly sponsored and allowed us to send a hundred percent of the proceeds to these nominees charities is my legacy far beyond football you know just being able to help impact this award will go a lot further than when my four-year-old son forgets that i caught my 50th touchdown pass from Tom Foyte, as he says, uh, he doesn't say his B's very well. So uh, Tom Foyte is is one of his favorite quarterbacks now. And um, all my kids wanted to know was why I didn't dance after I scored my touchdown. Uh, we had practiced <laughs> the floss. We had practiced the gritty. Uh, and when they didn't see a dance after the touchdown, they were very disappointed.
6: As they should be. Kids, that's the only reason they're watching the game. They want to see their dad dance in the end zone. And I wasn't going to ask you about this, Kyle, but since you brought up legacy and you want to talk Brady, I assume you just want to answer these type of questions. What the heck is Brady going to do next? Is he going to keep playing? Is he going to retire? (laughs) Tie his legacy into that one, please.
7: I mean, I'd have to say that he keeps playing. You know, just being around him every day, seeing him out at practice, uh, you know, physically there's no one that does it as well as he does. And it's incredible. I felt like we've said this year after year, after year father time is undefeated at some point it has to catch up to him. And yet here we are, he's now 45 years old and he can still sling it with the best of them. I mean, just uh, you know, there, there aren't many throws out there on the field that Tom can't make, you know? Yeah. Certainly he doesn't have a a cannon like Josh Allen. He's not going to throw a Hail Mary 80 yards. But outside of that, I think every throw on the field is an easy one for him. And it's just incredible to watch.
4: You know, we have this awesome thing in the summer that Greg Olson and Kelsey and Kittle and all you guys at the Tight End University and there's National Tight Ends Day. I feel like there's a fraternity of tight ends. Between Kittle and Kelsey and yourself, we have seen three legends go out over the last decade. Um, Let me ask you, when you see Kelsey have 14 catches in a game, in a playoffs at the age of 33. What's your response? And, I mean, what do you say to defense is trying to stop a guy like that?
7: It's incredible. I mean, to see year after year for the last seven to eight years, uh, you know, certainly there was a bunch of talk this offseason. Uh, Tyree Kill's gone. All the attention is going to be on Trav. Will he be able to put up the numbers that he's put up historically? And here we are in the divisional round, and yet he's still breaking records and doing things that no one's done.
3: Absolutely. Uh, listen, there's great games on Sunday, and I just want to get right to the finish line for both yeah. of them. Four-star set of teams left in the race. Give us your winners. Who's your Super Bowl Let's prediction? Go. Who's going to be what headed got, to Arizona in a week?
7: Uh As a native of Cincinnati, I I saw the excitement that that created last year as they made uh, a Super Bowl run that nobody saw coming. Uh, Obviously, watching the show, you guys talking about Kansas City, they have to get over that hump. Uh, They can't lose to them a fourth time. Uh, And also, to your co-host's point, I need to see the Kelsey brothers against each other in the Super Bowl. It's never happened before, mm. and I just think it would be unbelievable. Obviously, you get those two guys uh, on media night in the Super Bowl, and uh, what better TV than having those two guys go against each other in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> I'm going Chiefs and Eagles.
2: Mm. All right, Chiefs and Eagles, I love it. And Kyle is representing the uh, Walter Payton Year sweepstakes with Nationwide. He does great work with it every single year with he and his family. And I mention every single year, Kyle, because you have come on the show for a long time. We really cherish the relationship. One time back in 2017, you were on the show. And this is on your way to the NFC title game with the Vikings. Mm. And we realized you're from Ohio. You went to college in Indiana. And then you played all these years in Minnesota. So there's a lot of Midwestern love at this table. Jason and Peter aside, and Peter put the screws to you about what you say, certain terms you use about certain things. Let's take a look back to 2017, where you were getting into the Midwest vernacular. Go
7: ahead.
4: Oh, I'm going to show good. you something. What is that visual right there? What do you call that?
7: A tennis shoe? Yeah! yeah!
4: I love it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about! <laughs> it's I, I a feel sneaker! You. Who calls it a... Th- what? Are you playing tennis?
7: No? I feel like a, sne- a sneaker is like a... I don't know, like a pair of Jordans or something okay. way oh, nicer than those. Exactly. Okay. All right, okay.
4: and, uh, one more. We're going to do one more. Okay, let's show this. What's in this glass right here? What do you call that?
7: See, here, growing up in Cincinnati, it's pop. Yes! And yes! it was pop my entire life. And then when I got to Notre Dame, everyone started saying soda. And I'm like, what? Like, so, yeah, I always called it pop.
2: All right, Kyle, we got people cringing and laughing and going to the other side of the table. How will you raise your children? What are they calling those two items, those shoes and then that beverage?
7: Uh, I mean, Jamie, you know how Minnesota is. My my children were born and spent a majority of their life in Minnesota. And I knew we were in for a battle and they came home and told me duck, duck, gray duck instead of duck, duck, goose. So. My kids are going now soda and sneakers because of where they're raised. So yes. um, yep. I, I fight it every day. So I'm going to keep
3: soda fighting out. the good
2: fight. Soda and sneakers. I, <laughs> I grew up saying pop. I still no, say I'm a soda pop. sneakers no, guy. I love it. We love pop, you, Kyle. Pop, 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 pop man. Pop, 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 uh, pop, great shoes. work you're doing. Walt like as you, always, give shoes. love to the family. Go get a nice cold pop, my man. Thanks for coming by yep. again.
0: <laughs> See you, cop. Thank you. You go into your shower feeling tired.